Hello, and welcome to the MBA Summit podcast edition, where we're diving into the topics prospective MBA candidates actually care about and giving you real answers from real business leaders. I'm John Byrne, Editor-in-Chief of Poets and Quants. For this episode of Beyond the Classroom, the Real ROI, I'm joined by executives from some of the biggest names in consulting and tech to explore the ROI of the MBA and strategies for setting yourself up for success post-graduation. Let's get started. I want to introduce our three panelists uh, from Atlanta, Elizabeth Mills Murphy. She is an associate partner at McKinsey & Company, graduated from Ross in 2014. Bet you it seems like ages ago. Uh, was at Google before her MBA and uh, then went to McKinsey, used the MBA as a career transition into consulting. We have in Washington, D.C., uh, Bruno Antonez, a principal at BCG Group and a Michigan Ross MBA from 2011. Uh, he moved back to the States uh, recently from Brazil and has startup experience. And then out in California, uh, where I live, Aaron Mass, who is the head of strategy for platforms and ecosystems marketing at Google. Uh, he graduated from Michigan Ross in 2011. Uh, and Aaron, I believe you had a stint at BCG as well. So welcome, everyone. So let me start off with asking this question. What's the one reason why an MBA candidate should consider recruiting for consulting or tech? Aaron? So if I think about sort of the the value that the tech industry brings to a newly minted MBA, I'd say there are probably three major things that that I think about first. I think the first is growth. You know, these are industries in, in a constant state of change. You have the ability to, to impact that business a ton in a short period of time. And that gives you, I think, some pretty compelling vertical career opportunities. Uh, and then the second would be breadth, especially as you think about you know, the Fortune 500 tech companies. There's really an amazing diversity of businesses that they participate in. And that gives you a, a, a ton of opportunities to move around horizontally, going from a B2B to a B2C business, something that's mature to something that's in an incubation phase. And it also sort of breeds a culture of moving around, which gives you some flexibility as you start off your career post-MBA. And then the third bit is just a general openness to revisiting things, you know, openness to new ideas and to, to innovation, all of which I found quite valuable as I got started. That's great. Elizabeth, why don't you speak for consulting? Absolutely. I think that especially in today's world, recruiting for consulting and recruiting for tech have an enormous amount of overlap because so much of what we're doing in consulting is technology driven. I'm part of McKinsey's digital and analytics practice, and there is um, there are very few projects that we do these days that don't have some sort of technology component. I agree with what Aaron said about growth. It doesn't matter what business you are, what industry you're in. If you are somehow not touched by technology, I haven't seen that yet. Um, and I think that it's a, a tremendous place to be starting your career now post-MBA when you put your chips down on the table of what do you want to know about in 10 years? What do you want to be um, at the center of in 10 years? Consulting, um, you know, seeing the breadth that you see in consulting, and in particular, technology-enabled consulting are really exciting places to be. And Bruno, what practice are you in at BCG? 
So I'm a core member of the consumer practice uh, as an industry standpoint. And uh, from a functional standpoint, I'm part of the market sales and pricing and also the people and organization PAs. One thing that I would just add to the answer regarding consulting, I think to me, what made me choose consulting and choose again consulting uh, after my two years in private equity was basically the learning uh, prospect and feeling always challenged and up to date regarding you know what is cutting edge in terms of you know business and thought and solving problems in very messy situations uh, so when we're talking about you know technology and digital this is one of the multiple lens that we are bringing to the table nowadays but we're still thinking about the business fundamentals and change management and all of the different pieces that you need to consider in the end regardless of what is the industry to push change forward. So this is very exciting to me. What's the most common misperception about working in consulting or tech, do you think? Aaron? Um, if I can cheat and give give two, I think uh, the, the first misconception is that tech is just, just one thing. Tech is it's an incredibly broad term that ranges from you know, e-commerce to gaming to hardware to software as a service to cloud and, and everything in between. I'd say, frankly, as you're thinking about entering the tech space, having a functional orientation is going to be likely more helpful than just like a, a general interest in tech, as these businesses oftentimes have very little in common with one another. And then the second I would say is that um, I think there's a common perception among new grads that you have to be technical to work in tech. You have to be a former engineer or something of that nature. And there are some select spaces where that may be true, but for the vast majority of business functions... You know, what you did in your prior life really is not all that important. And it's more about your willingness and the ability to learn than in your ability to code. Yeah, that's really true. You know, as you talk about tech, you're making me think that, you know, the big tech companies today are kind of like the modern day conglomerates because they have so many different business interests. And many of those business interests aren't even all related, except by the fact that technology is being used in innovative ways to drive the business forward. So, Elizabeth, what about consulting? What are the misconceptions that you live out of a suitcase, uh, that you travel constantly, that you never see your family? <laughs> <laughs> well, with a 20-month-old at home and another one due next month, I definitely still see my family, and I'm not living out of a suitcase. Um, so, I think that's that's certainly one. Um, I, I think another, especially relevant for MBA candidates, is that um, you know firms want to see people who want to be partners, um, that that is something that you need to do coming in the door, that, that you shouldn't go into this if you don't want to be a partner. Um, I think that at the end of the day, lots of people are interested in consulting for the learning experience that it provides and for the opportunity to see a breadth and depth of business problems over the course of a few years. Honestly, the same reasons that you go back and pursue an MBA in the first place. Beyond that, though, I think that another common misconception is that you need to, similar to tech um, and what Aaron said, that you need to know something about something, that you, you might have relevant expertise from a prior life, and that to be successful coming in the door at a big firm, you need to be able to apply that. I don't think that's true. And, and similarly, intellectual curiosity, a willingness to learn, collaboration in a team-based environment, these are all things that ultimately will help you find work that you're excited about, as well as help make you successful on the job. Right. 
And Bruno, as a result of uh, going back into consulting, what opportunities do you think you've had that you wouldn't have had otherwise? Uh, I, I think one thing that I have is I, I have more sympathy for clients. So before the MBA, I was a client, right? I was part of a big consumer goods company in Brazil. I had you know plenty of consulting companies, big ones coming there, delivering the solutions. So I had to deal with some of the outcomes from the consulting projects. So I feel the client's pain during like change management and just like feeling heard and being part of the solution. I think this is one of the key things for successful consulting firms. Sometimes the easiest part is to put a set of solutions on paper on a beautiful, you know, well-crafted PowerPoint slide. The other things to make that thing happen through like a, a real team with limitations and, you know, not ideal capabilities. So... I think that, you know, I'm covering on both ends from a junior perspective and also from a more senior perspective now. And Elizabeth, how about you? What opportunities do you think you've had that you otherwise would not, given your consulting background? Uh, well, undergrad, I studied ancient Greek. So the career trajectory there wasn't great. Um, business school for me was an opportunity to reinvent. And I think consulting was a, a, a further progression of the learning that I did while I was at Ross. Um, an opportunity to see a, um, such a spectrum of problems, a spectrum of work that, um, I've enjoyed over the past, you know, five and a half, six years what I've been doing. I'm, I'm passionate about my work. I'm passionate about my clients. Uh, but I also feel like it has equipped me to go and do so, so many different things that my undergrad education alone might have been a, a little limiting in that regard. Uh, but I think that to be able to get behind the scenes into the minds of our clients, what keeps them up at night is what makes the job really interesting and ultimately keeps you bought into what you're doing, keeps you excited about what you're doing. And Elizabeth, did you come to Ross specifically to make a career switch? I did. Yes. And you, and it was for consulting. Yes. I was really interested, um, despite going to school in Michigan, I was interested in getting back to the Southeast where I'm from and Michigan attracted me for its network. Um, I felt like the school's reach across the country and across the world was something that was really interesting. Um, but I also felt like the kind of hands-on learning that I would be doing would translate well into whatever strategy and operations role I uh, you know, sought after business school. And consulting wound up being a great fit for that. Now, I know that in consulting and even at Google, it's often hard to speak about actual projects and names of projects. But um, Aaron, can you tell me about something that you've worked on that's especially exciting? I'm I'm happy to. I think I've had you know the, the good fortune of you know being involved in, in projects that make an impact at a really incredible scale while at Google. And I think a few recent examples that I'm particularly proud of is you know the first is really working hard to shape the mobile phone experience in emerging economies. You know, thinking through what the the ideal you know experience would be for someone buying a mobile phone for the first time that costs twenty bucks, you know, versus an thousand dollar smartphone. You know what matters and what doesn't, and how do we provide everyone with access to information equitably? Uh, and then the second would be defining how Google's technology shows up in the classroom. You know what are the ways we can sort of alleviate a number of different pain points for teachers, 
how can we improve the student learning experience uh, all at the same time, you know, driving value back for Google. That's cool. So what's, what's the biggest thing the MBA has enabled for you that you don't think you could have done without one? Aaron? Well, um, I'm going to cheat again and give you, a, give you two or three, but I think they're all, they're all equally important. Um, you know, I think the first is the, the ability to think about a problem comprehensively from the perspective of a number of different stakeholders and, and functions. Uh, the tech space, uh, I think in particular, has a tendency to be very siloed and your ability to kind of like pull away from those silos and, and solve some really tough problems from different angles is, is quite helpful. I think the, the second is the, just frankly, the ability to learn quickly and adapt. You know, when you're at business school, you're having so much thrown at you, you're picking up new skills, you know, every, every week, you know, you're kind of throwing yourself into new experiences. Like your comfort with that, I think is, is helpful anywhere, but especially in a space like tech where uh, and nothing is the same week over week. The final bit I think would be having the, you know, the confidence and polish to advocate for your ideas in a compelling way. And if I think about my, my time at Ross, you think everything from you know the, the crisis challenge to cold calls and strategy class to experiential learning at, at MAP. You know, I think all of those things were great kind of like testing grounds to be very you know, succinct and compelling to executive audiences. What about professional development, meaning um, just, just gaining the maturity or a confidence that makes a difference in your life? Bruno? To me, that comes a lot from self-discovery. I think the MBA and, and all of the tools that Ross provides provides a great venue for you to do that. You know, from, from the day that you start writing the essays, you dive into a little bit. But once you are exposed to a very, you know, uh, diverse class and you're discussing like ethics surrounded by people from different like cultures and backgrounds and etc., and you find your style and you find ways to play into your strengths and to leverage your peers. I think this is one thing that really helps you to move into like a, a you know, professional services career and consulting or in you know, other settings. And Bruno, you used the MBA for career switch as well, moving from marketing to consulting, right? Yeah. So to, to be very honest, I, I entered the MBA thinking, okay, I'm going to have, you know, a wide exposure to different topics and I'm going to, you know, from there choose. I was very intrigued about consulting, but also other industries. Uh, in the end, to me, it was mostly about the people that I engage with and just realizing how important learning is to me. And it, consulting made a lot of sense to me. And the MBA allowed me to do the career switch, which was a great thing. Absolutely. Uh, Elizabeth, what's the single most important piece of advice you might have for uh, a budding tech or consulting professional? I'd say uh, I'll I'll limit it to those thinking about an MBA, if that's okay. Please. And I'll say use the academic environment to try on your boldness. Um, When you are in a classroom, you have so many opportunities to fail in a low stakes environment and getting used to being very, very uncomfortable, um, getting comfortable being outside of your comfort zone, I think is a gift. Um, So whether it is raising your hand to be cold called, um, whether it's pursuing an extracurricular that you've never done before that feels you know, totally unlike anything you have done before, you don't feel prepared, you don't feel confident, 
I think that the MBA is a great opportunity to put yourself in situations where you need to be quick on your feet. You have a supportive community around you that is cheering you on even when you do fall flat. Uh, But so much of work in consulting and tech, in my experience, has to do with um, getting back up again, learning from the feedback that you're getting, learning from the experience of being uncomfortable. And I think that the MBA is the perfect way to simulate that. I mean, it's, you know, the old saying, practice, practice, practice. That's how you get to Carnegie Hall. It's practice, practice, practice. That's how you get to McKinsey and BCG. Um. What about you, Aaron? What's the single most important piece of advice you have? Um, I think Elizabeth's answer was fantastic, and I, I could never live up to that. So I'm going to give a very uh, specific <laughs> piece of feedback for uh, for folks thinking about recruiting into the tech space. This echoes one of the points I made earlier uh, here, where I think you need to think long and hard about what job you actually want to do and why you want to do that job in tech, as opposed to recruiting for tech more generically. Like unlike other industries, we don't really have general leadership programs or things that are rotational in nature and that sort of thing. Like you're really recruiting for something specific. So identifying early whether or not your interest in tech is coming from a, you know an element of product management or marketing or sales or finance is going to be much more important than I think in other industries, just given the fact that you tend to jump into them right off the bat. Right. And, and when you reflect on successful candidates for positions in your company, what qualities do they share? Bruno? Uh, I think that you're looking for kind of a toolkit that comes with, you know, a lot of curiosity, people that are eager to learn, very resilient, and, and that people that show grit. They want to endure and learn and deliver and that they thrive under these circumstances. I think it's uh, eager to like, you know, just dive into like messy topics and deliver. This, this is more from a soft side. The problem solving side is quite important. Also having the poise and composure to like communicate, engage people and make people change their behaviors. I think this is critical. And also, you know, being a team player, I think this uh, extremely important consulting. Uh, it's one of the things that I changed in my mindset. You know, before in CPG, I would get a problem I would solve by myself. If you do this in consulting, you're going to fail. Uh, you're not going to deliver up to the excellence level that we are expecting. So it's about leveraging the resources, learning from the experts, and learning a lot from the clients. And Elizabeth, how do you determine whether a candidate has it or not? That's a good question. Um, I think that you know our our interview process is fortunately somewhat straightforward on the the case front and the problem solving front. For me, some of what really makes a candidate have it though uh, comes down to personal experience and not necessarily the you know impressive numbers that you've generated or the description of your leadership role. It's how you thought about shaping the environment around you, um, the degree to which you had agency in the results that you got, how proactive you are, um, your entrepreneurial drive in taking on a problem that others might not have wanted to touch. And I think those are, are markers of if you don't know anything about the context, you have no background Uh, You have 
nothing on paper to offer to the problem, those are still the candidates that I would put in the room any day of the week. Why? (laughs) They'll figure it out. They care. They get energy from making change, from doing great work, from working in teams, um, having empathy for, for others in the process. And I think that when you have a a head on your shoulders that allows you to say, here's what I bring to the table, here's what I can uniquely contribute, you will always find a way to do that. Um, I think, you know, people have unique things to contribute. Your awareness of what that is for you personally, some people know exactly what their brand of distinctive is. Um, And I think some people are still waiting to figure that out. And Aaron, I'm thinking that many of the qualities described by both Bruno and Elizabeth are exactly the qualities that Google wants in a hire, right? Remarkably similar. And unlike insulting Aaron, there are a lot of people who work in tech, obviously, who do not have MBAs. And there has been this debate among people in Silicon Valley over the value of the MBA. From your perspective, does tech really value the degree or not? I think tech certainly values the degree, but in a way that is different from consulting and many other industries. And I think that the primary difference is the MBA is not a a gating mechanism. It's not necessarily like the the one path to get into the company. Um, I think the value that it brings is it makes you much more effective. So if you think about it, you know, you're bringing a a well-rounded perspective. You could think broadly about the business, the needs of the market competitive differentiation, all those sorts of things, which oftentimes is missing in uh, in tech, which is typically more about building the best shiny object as quickly as possible and getting it out the door. Uh, so you find folks that are able to do those things are quite help- They're quite effective once they get there, but I wouldn't necessarily say that it's the one core thing you need to get your foot in the door. Right. It's one way to do it. Yeah, it's one path of, of several. Yeah. So what skills uh, do all three of you think the next wave of MBA candidates should focus on during their program that set themselves up for uh, a successful job hunt? I think that having a perspective um, on, again, what you bring to the table is the single biggest thing. Call that more of a soft skill. When I was coming through the program at Ross, it felt like people who were recruiting for marketing were siloed and only thinking about that. To a certain degree, people who were recruiting for tech were only thinking about tech. People recruiting for consulting were thinking about consulting. I think that across the board, we're valuing candidates who are multidimensional and are at least interested in the full suite of ways that you could impact a client's business. And the reason for that is there's no such thing as a marketing problem anymore. There's not a tech problem anymore. Things are interdisciplinary in a way that requires you to be both deep and broad at the same time, which is one reason why intellectual curiosity keeps coming up over and over again. It's not that you need to be the expert, but you certainly would want to Um, have familiarity with the topic that you're trying to go after, Um, have the network behind you to be able to find someone who is, who can help you get smart quickly, et cetera. So I think that, um, you know, breadth and depth, again, not thinking about yourself in a pigeonholed way, those are things that come to mind for me. I know a lot of MBA programs are putting more emphasis on business analytics 
Uh, do you find that helpful, Aaron? Very, very much so. Um, but from more of a strategic perspective than a, a pure mathematical perspective, I think the value that an MBA brings in the analytics space is not only you know identifying you know methods to get to the answer, but really identifying you know which answers even matter and which ones don't. I think we find ourselves with you know, a richness of data and no lack of people to work on it, but oftentimes a lack of direction with what we should do with it. And I think that's where an MBA adds, I think, outsized value in that space. And Bruno, what do you think uh, MBA candidates should focus on in their programs today? I think that currently the foundational pieces are still the same, right? You have to have strong, you know, functional foundations. You have to think about intersections. What Elizabeth mentioned there is, uh, I, I agree 100%. I think that, you know, one of the things that Ross does really well is to bring the intersections to the table through the, through the map program and through some, you know, simulations and et cetera, which in the end, you know, it's not a marketing problem. It's not an operations problem. You know, thinking about my career in consulting, I have never solved a single dimensional problem. So just, you know, having that mindset and comprehensive framework helps a lot. But just adding to that, I think the, the layer of advanced analytics is instrumental. And what Aaron mentioned really resonated with me. So sometimes we are very enamored about the tools and uh, all of the possibilities from data. And we forget to ask the right questions and to have the right framework and to prioritize. And I see a lot of, you know, uh, clients and, and, uh, and very super smart business people just spinning their wheels with very expensive programs that, you know, in the end fail to deliver the results because they don't ask the right questions and having focus. Right. And I think that's really true. Business school does teach you to ask the right questions for sure. So, you know, all three of you ended up at Ross. All three of you are in, frankly, uh, among the most highly selective companies in the world, uh, in great jobs. So I wonder if a prospective student came to you and asked, what should they be looking for when they're evaluating MBA programs? What would you say? Elizabeth? I'd say go for the program that pushes you to be the version of yourself that you will be most excited about 10 years from now. It's not necessarily um, the, again, most comfortable experience, but a group of, of peers who support you, an environment that challenges you, a classroom curriculum that takes advantage of the way that you learn and equips you to continue learning as quickly um, as you can and be discerning about what you're excited about. I think that lots of programs provide structure, lots of programs provide a clear path, um, but the programs that push you to develop beyond where you could have developed just by checking out the textbook or checking out the video on YouTube or having a few interesting conversations, the ones that are more experiential um, to me are are, I think, are the most valuable. Yeah, that's interesting because, you know, obviously a lot of people say uh, you should go to a program that kind of fits you, your personality. But at the same time, fit could easily be described as a place where you feel comfortable and not stretched. Uh, Aaron, what do you say? 
Yeah, I'll, I'll pick an adjacent theme. I, I think uh, looking for a school where you're, the students are bought in and are giving their full selves to the program is incredibly important. I think one of the things that both Elizabeth and Bruno have mentioned on a number of different occasions is you you learn as much, if not more, from your peers in, in and out of the classroom than you do from the professor or from the career counselors, as good as they may be, and a place where like Elizabeth mentioned, where they will push you, where you will be encouraged to try new things, you know, where you'll be motivated by things that they're thinking about and things that they're doing. Like that, that is incredibly important. And it's certainly one of the things that I was optimizing for when I made my choice. Bruno, how about you? It's hard to follow two very good answers uh, from, from Aaron and Elizabeth. I, I would just, you know, resonate that to me, culture matters a lot. You're talking about two years of your life. Uh, a place that is going to embrace yourself uh, and also challenge yourself. Uh, and, you know, uh, for, for me, the, just the collaborative nature of the, the MBA that I had was instrumental. And the second piece is having balance. So it's not a program skewed towards one function, one topic. Uh, it's not skewed towards one method. Uh, so one of the things that really uh, attracted me about, you know, Ross was having the balance between experiential, very strong, you know, classroom experiences and a lot of case discussions, which is also great. Great. And well, finally, I have a question for Elizabeth from McKinsey and Bruno, you again at BCG. For those that are successful in scoring a great consulting job post-graduation, what should they expect? When you walk into McKinsey or BCG, What's it going to be like? A lot of people right out of school that I've gotten to know in the recruiting process subsequently reach out and ask questions around what can they do to prepare? What should they be doing during their summers before they start work? Or even in between a first and second year MBA program, what can they do um, in the few weeks before they start work? And my answer is always just relax. Hmm. Um, make sure that you know who you are, what your priorities are, what you're excited about, and that you come in confident um, in what you bring to the table. You come in knowing what it is that you're excited to get out of every day of the experience and not just a two years and out, let me check that box kind of thing. I think that people who are most successful are those who don't, it's, it's not necessarily set incredibly strict boundaries. I can never work past 10 p.m. It's not that. It's people who know themselves and what they value and are able to use those as a true north um, instead of rigid rules from day one. And Bruno, are there ways to set yourself up for success in a consulting environment? I agree with Elizabeth. I, I think that a couple of things, just being yourself, uh, if you're there in a top tier program, you're driven, you've, you've done your work. Uh, just trust yourself, embrace the process. And the process is basically a combination of kind of stretch assignments with an amazing learning uh, experience through training and also a very supportive culture and feedback-oriented culture, which is very you know, straightforward, sometimes painful. But if you have the wiring to like endure and learn and be open and uh, you know, attack this job as a team sport, you're going to do great. 
I, I think this, this is the right mindset. All of the things that you learn to prepare for the interview are going to be extremely useful. The, the case interview that you think, oh, I'm just you know, rehearsing here. I won't ever use that in my life. I found myself in my first case doing the same thing. You know, I got a problem and I had to answer. And basically, I got a blank sheet of paper and I laid down my framework and I started to engage with people around myself, which was, was great. And what I found out through painfully in the beginning was that I was not alone. You know, a lot of people had gone through the same path and I had great mentors, like informal and formal there for me to like, you know, just step into whenever I wanted. Yeah, that's great advice. And Aaron, a similar question for you now that you're at Google. For someone looking to make a career change in the tech, what should they expect moving into the industry and are there ways to set yourself up for success? So I'd say the, the, the single most important thing to do uh, once you've entered the, the tech space is to remind yourself that this, at the end of the day, is a, a people business, not a not a process business. And networking and understanding how to navigate your organization is the single most valuable thing you can learn in your first couple of weeks or, or months. You know, understanding you know who does what, what they care about, how they're motivated, the role that they play within the broader org is much more important than any sort of like analytical answer you'll arrive at in those sort of pivotal first months. And then also um, finding a set of mentors early, I think can be a really major differentiator between folks that have a long successful career in the space versus those that you know end up uh, taking a little bit longer to find their way. Great advice. Aaron, thank you so much. Elizabeth and Bruno, thank you for joining us tonight. And for all of you out there listening, thanks so much for tuning in. If you're in the market for more content like this, be sure to check out our other MBA Summit podcasts including our student series, Real Students, Real Issues. You can also visit the Michigan Ross website to learn more about what you heard today. This is John Byrne, and you've been listening to Beyond the Classroom, the real ROI as part of the MBA Summit presented by Michigan Ross.